Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for being with us. And all of you that are joining us online, worshiping the Lord together with us today, we're so grateful that you're here. And everyone on every campus that are joining us, we love you. We thank you for being a part of this service. Now, before we go any further, I want us to stop and pray for the people of Ukraine who are going through such a terrible trial today. Let's pray for them. Father, we come to you about a group of people we do not know and and a group of people we may never meet. But yet, Father, we see day after day after day the horror that is happening to them, slowly but surely, and all of the bombing and all that's going on. And we ask, Father, that you would be with them today. God, we are amazed at their bravery. We are amazed at their strength, at their courage, at their love for their country. And oh God, I pray that you would be with them and help them as they go through these days. I'm praying for a David and Goliath time for them. I'm I'm praying that somehow, some way, you will move into this moment in their life. And Father, I pray that you would either change the heart of Vladimir Putin or you would take him out of power and take those who are following him out of power. I pray you would release and bring freedom to the people of Russia. Now, Father, we pray for all of this, knowing that you are ultimately in control and we ask you to move. We pray in this moment in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We've been going through now, this is the ninth and last week of the Love Challenge. We've been going through a passage of scripture that's only eight verses. And we've arrived at the end of the fifth verse. And today we're going to cover those last three verses and the series will come to an end. But I have loved this series. It has given us the opportunity to to go deeper into what is legitimate love. What is authentic love? What does it look like for our lives? But all the while we've been doing this, uh, we have about 100 to 150 small groups on all of our campuses combined, 100 to 150 small groups of adults, and every single small group has taken on a challenge for that group of finding someone that is in need, maybe in our church, maybe outside of our church, and going and meeting that need. The video that we just watched a few seconds ago were just just some small parts of what has been taking place over the last nine weeks, and I am so excited about the people whose lives have been touched. Some of them total strangers, but we found out they had a need. That small group went and reached out to them, cared for them, helped meet that need and touch their life. I love this part about Sugar Creek. I love that this is who we are, that we take care of 
people in our own church, but we also reach out to people we don't even know that well, but we are there for them, we care for them, we help them. And that's been going on all these nine weeks, our small groups reaching out and caring for others. And it's not just the adults, our students got together and they helped a particular person with the struggles and difficulties in their home. And they helped with the, the yard and all of that stuff for her. And then, and then our children have been reaching out to others. And it is a great thing that has happened in our church as we have raised up and said, we want to bless others. We want to love others. We want to help others. And all the while, we've been learning phrase by phrase about what legitimate love is. Love's patient. Love is kind. Love is contented with what we already have. Love is humble. Love is not easily angered. Love is forgiving. We've been looking at all of these aspects of what love really is in the relationships of our life. And now we've arrived at verse six and seven. And notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse six and seven. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. I don't know of any other verse in the Bible that one word is used four times in that one verse. Four times the word always is used. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It is obvious that God wants us to understand the word always. The word always is speaking of consistency. The truth is, the greatest element, the key to success of anything that lasts is consistency. Let me give you an example. This is baseball season now, not for the uh, MLB, obviously. They're, on, they're, they're having struggles with each other. But, but in, in Little League Baseball, it's baseball season. So how do you become a good baseball player? It's obvious that there are some people that have super talent, and that's one thing. But did you know that anyone can become a good baseball player? All you need are the mechanics, in other words, there is a certain way you are to catch ground balls. If you learn that way in which you're to catch a ground ball, and then you practice it a million times, you have a million ground balls come to you, and you use that same technique to catch ground balls. Before long, you will have trained your muscles, you will have trained your mind, you will automatically do it, you can't even help yourself, and you will be fantastic at catching ground balls. It's all mechanics. Catching fly balls, throwing the ball, hitting the ball with a bat, it's all mechanics. And if you can get the right mechanics and you do it over and over and over again, you may not be a super player, you may not have that super talent, but you can be a very good baseball player simply by doing the mechanics right. And did you know the same thing is true about marriage? You can have a great marriage no matter who you are because there are basic mechanics to marriage. And when you do them over and over and over again, 
something happens. You begin to do them automatically and you build a great marriage. You can have a great friendship with other people, deep relationships with other people if you will simply do the right mechanics. So what are those? Well, that's exactly what God has just given us in verse seven. The four basic mechanics of building a deep relationship with someone else. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So this morning, just very quickly, I'm not gonna go into depth with any of them. I'm gonna go with some basics with all of them and let's take a look. How do I build a deepening relationship? The first one is love lasts forever when we consistently protect the people we love. That word protect is simply a word that means we're there for them. We are there for them. We defend them. We guard them. Now, how do we do this? How how do we protect those that we love? Well, one of the ways we do it is by sharing in their hurt and their help. We can't always stop the hurt that somebody else is going through. And the truth is, all of us need hurt in our life. We grow the most when we go through the, the greatest difficulties. We, we, we grow stronger, we grow mature. We actually need these moments in our life. So God says to us, I'm not gonna stop all the hurt in your life. I will make sure you, can, you do not have more than you can handle. That's what the Bible teaches. I will stop it at a point in which you can't handle anymore. I will stop it then. But I want you to go through these times because they challenge your life, they grow your life, they deepen your life. They teach you how to trust me. Parents understand that our children have got to go through pain. They've got to go through difficulties and struggles. The parents that smother their children and keep all pain away are making a desperate mistake. I do it out of my love for my child. No, it is actually damaging your child. All of us need to learn as we're growing up in the protection of our home. We need to learn how to face hardship and difficulty and struggle in our life the older we get so that when we become adults, we understand how to live life in this world. When we're going through those times, the goal is to be there for them to defend them, to guard them. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17. A friend loves at all times. We understand this. In the good times, a friend loves me. In the hard times, my friend loves me. But notice the last part of the verse. A brother is born, why? For adversity. You know what he's saying in that phrase? The deepest relationships of your life. That's the idea of a brother or a sister or a parent or a husband or a wife. The deepest relationships of our life are for those times of adversity in our life where we have nowhere else to turn. We have no one that will protect us, no one that comes to our defense. It is that deep relationship that comes to our rescue in the hardest times of our life. A brother is born for adversity in the toughest times of our life. I feel so sorry for people that don't build deep relationships 
who don't take the time and the energy to build relationships with other people because when they face the deepest, darkest times of their life, where do they turn now? Those deep relationships are not just for the hurtful times of life. They're for the happy times and the joyful times that we share. It doubles all the the, the good times, but it cuts in half the sorrows because there's someone there to share them with me. There's a phrase in the next verse I want you to see, and though I'm sort of taking this verse in its entirety out of context, I'm doing it because I want you to see this phrase. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says it this way, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or I, or I hear about you in my absence, I know that you, and this, this phrase I want you to grab, that you stand firm in one spirit contending as one person. That phrase, contending as one person, is the Greek phrase that means to wrestle in company with. You ever seen tag team wrestling in which there is this guy and he's wrestling maybe somebody that's a little bit bigger than him and he's, he's wearing down fast. He's, a, he's about to get pinned, but right at the moment he just reaches up and tags the partner and then the partner jumps in and, and takes that place and that partner becomes the extra energy that that wrestler needed at that key moment. We need someone that we can tag, someone who will become our energy, someone that will be there for us, someone who will help us during the hardest, most difficult times of our life. Being that person for someone else, I'm there for you. I won't forsake you. I'll help defend you. I'll help protect you. I'll be there for you. Part of the whole idea of love lasts forever when we consistently protect the people that we love includes sharing the hurt and the help. But there's a second part of this whole idea of protecting someone else that you build the deepest relationship with. We protect by telling those we love the truth in love. Notice what the verse says in Proverbs 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. We understand that somebody's kissing up to us, and they're an enemy, and they're just trying to deceive us. They have an ulterior motive. But listen to the first part of this verse. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What in the world does that mean? There are times in our life in which we need someone to tell us the truth. That'll tell us the hard things. We we earn that ability over time to be able to confront someone we love with the truth. In those times in which we're wounded so deeply by somebody else and, our, and this person that we love comes and stands with us and is helping us and there with us, sort of cutting our sorrow in half, well, there's a moment in time in which that same person needs to tell us the truth. You've ever heard of the devil's advocate? It just means that... Have you ever... 
understood this from another point of view. Maybe we need to get in the shoes of the person who you're struggling with. Is it possible that you've contributed to this issue? Is it possible that as this was happening to you, you were not responding exactly right? We need someone who can tell us the truth about that and help us. And the person who's protecting us is also the person who's being honest with us. By the way, let me just say, parents and um, husband and wife and friends, when the person that you are protecting is going through the deepest wounds of their life, that's not the moment to be the devil's advocate. That isn't the moment to tell them the truth about the, the other side. No, at that moment when they're going through the deep pain, you are just with them and you are so on their side. But when the pain subsides and when normal is beginning to happen, that's the moment to say, you know, let's take a look at that from another side. You are protecting someone by telling the truth about them. Not everybody will tell someone else that there's broccoli in their teeth. But all of us need somebody who will. You get the idea? Love always protects. And part of that protection is telling someone the truth. Part of that protection is just put your head on my shoulder. I'm here for you. There's a second thing. Love lasts forever when we build a solid trust. You can't demand someone to trust you. You can't order someone to trust you. Trust is earned over time. You gotta be trustworthy for someone to trust you. Last week we were talking about forgiveness and maybe you remember the, this phrase that we've kind of filled out together when we were taking notes and that is forgiveness is given but trust is earned. You gotta earn this. So how do you earn trust? There's four key, key ingredients. The first is simply this, we keep our promises. We earn trust from others when we keep our promises. When someone keeps their promises day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, you may not trust them at the beginning. You may have doubts at the beginning, but over time you begin to trust them because after all, they keep their promises. For both of my sons, when uh, they were growing up, they became, were young men and um, at a key, both of them in key moments of their life, I, I said to each one of them separately, uh, now, now listen, you're about to become a husband and one day you'll be a father. And let me give you a piece of advice about this. One of the things that men have a tendency to do is overpromise because we're men and we will conquer all this and we will do all this stuff and then doesn't produce they overpromised i said the way you build trust is that you underpromise and you overproduce don't promise the world don't promise to the moon underpromise and overproduce. Sometimes we have to kind of put our ego back down, under promise 
and overproduce. And over time, when you do that, your wife will, will learn to trust you. Your children will trust you. And in fact, not just trust you, whatever you say you'll do, but you will do even more. And you will build trust very quickly if you underpromise, overproduce. How we build trust is we keep our promises. Number two, we do not wrongfully take advantage of another. There is a better way to say it. I wish I'd have said it this way. We treat others fairly. We treat others fairly. The more we learn about what does it mean to treat another person fairly? How do I know whether I am treating another person fairly? I've, I've asked you many times, start reading the book of Proverbs the proverb chapter in correspondence with the day of the month. So today is, uh, is this the sixth? So chapter six today, read chapter six tomorrow, chapter seven, all the way through. Every month do this, month after month. And you know why I've asked you to do it? It's the wisest book you can ever imagine about how to deal with interpersonal relationships. And, and Solomon wrote this book for his sons, and he explains in chapter one, I'm writing this book so that you will know how to treat others fairly, justly, and right. How do you know how to be fair to other people? How to be just toward other people? How to do the right thing? Solomon says, I want to teach you over the next 31 chapters, I want to show you how you can have interpersonal relationships and make the most of them. How you build trust in the heart of other people is you treat them fairly. Third of all, that we do the right thing even if no one is watching. And maybe you think, well, if no one's watching and I do the right thing, no one will know I did the right thing. So what good is that? I will tell you what good that is. Ever so often, God will cause you to be caught doing the right thing when you're thinking no one sees. And I'm gonna tell you this, when your wife sees you do the right thing, when your husband sees you do the right thing, when your friend sees you do the right thing and you're thinking nobody even knows, but I'm gonna do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And then when you get caught doing it, that person that sees that will trust you even more because she will say, he will say, they did this just because it was the right thing to do. All the more I trust you. The fourth principle is this. Do the first three principles every day. It's consistency. And here's what I'm gonna say. If you do these three things every day, every day, every day, every day, you will build the trust of other people who interface with your life. All these four principles have one thing in mind, that you put the needs of the other person ahead of your own. Husbands, you put the need of your wife ahead of yours and you do it every day. You do it every day, you do it every day. Wives, you put the need of your husband ahead of yours and you do it every day, every day, 
every day so that it becomes normal. It becomes the natural way of living. But what about my needs? No, I'm going to promise you God will make sure your needs get met. I'm going to say this to you. When you meet the need of your spouse before you meet your own need, it will warm the heart of your spouse. It will change the heart of your spouse. And that spouse will begin to meet your needs as well. Try it. Build trust. And when you build trust, it is amazing what happens in your relationship. There's a third principle, and it's this. Love lasts forever when we continually feed hope into the friendship. Feeding hope into the lives of other people. I found this definition in a a, a dictionary called the American Heritage Dictionary. The American Heritage Dictionary. And here is the definition in that dictionary of the word hope. Hope is the desire and the search for a future good that is difficult but not impossible to attain with God's help. What was shocking to me is it's a dictionary. Did you know this used to be America? This used to be America. That in dictionaries and in other encyclopedias and other, they would reference God. And here is this dictionary. Hope is the desire and search for a future good that is difficult but not impossible with God's help. No person can live without hope. All of us need hope. There was one husband that said, to his wife, I, I, I just don't have any hope left. I, I don't have anything to live for. He was so dejected. He was so downhearted. I have nothing to live for. And she said to him, what do you mean you have nothing to live for? We still have to pay off the mortgage in the car. You have tons to live for. You ask any psychologist and he'll or she will tell you that hope is not an emotion. Hope is an essential, like air and water and, and food. Hope is an essential. You can't live without it. In our relationships, we need to feed those we love with hope in hard times, in struggling times. So how do we do it? Well, the first thing is this. Focus on the positive instead of the negatives. Every relationship has negatives. No matter what kind of friendship it is, every relationship has negatives. Every marriage has, has negatives. Everybody's does. There's no Disneyland relationship. All of us have ups. All of us have downs. All of us have struggles. All of us have great times. And in the difficult times of our relationships, one of the things that we need to do for each other is feed each other hope in the hard times of our lives. I shared with you um, a couple weeks ago that, that Kathy's father just uh, passed away. It is, it's kind of an amazing thing that's happened to both uh, my wife Kathy and, and me. Five years ago, my father passed away, and then six months later, my mom passed away. 
Kathy's mom passed away five months ago and then her father passed away. It's just so close. It was just, we weren't prepared in either case. So when my parents passed away, my sisters lived right by, lived right by them and so they took care of everything. When the last, when the, the last parent dies, then what do you do with all the stuff? All, all, of, the, all of the things, the, all the notifications, all the stuff, what do you do? Well, my oldest sister can do anything. And she did everything. Yay, God. She handled everything. But this time, it's my turn. And how do you do everything? How do you get rid of the stuff that needs to be gotten rid of? How do you, how do you deal with all of the notifications and, and all the stuff? How do you do it? Kathy's dad did a great job, the best he could, in getting prepared, but no matter what, it's like a fog. And it's in Oklahoma, and we're in Texas. How do you get all this done while you're trying to do everything else, pastor a church and everything else. And it seems overwhelming. Right now, Kathy is back in Oklahoma and she's doing the hard stuff of going through the clothes and going through the things. And we have talks every day and multiple times because she, she finds something that meant so much in her, her, all of her life. She, and here it is. And it's dealing with the grief, it's dealing with all the things. Yesterday, as I was driving, God brought two passages of scripture to my mind, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Those who trust in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just, just imagine the strength of the eagle flying upward. God says, if you'll trust me, I'll give you the strength. You feel like you don't have enough, I'll give you more. And then came, what came to mind was, was Romans chapter eight, verse 28. And we know that God will turn anything and everything for your good. No matter what you're facing, God will use it to bless you. If you love him and you are the called according to his purpose, God will bless you. He'll open up doors, he'll open up windows. You cannot believe how God will turn that situation for good in your life. And I, those two passages came to mind for me as I was driving. Oh God, I need this. I called up my wife on the phone and I said, Kathy, I've got great news for you. And I quoted the two verses and I talked about, we've got, the fog is gonna lift. We're gonna know everything we've got to know and do at just the right time. And the windows are gonna going to open in heaven and God's going to lead us. He's going to give us the strength to do it. And she said to me, you have no idea how much I needed to hear that right now. She knew those verses. By the way, all the promises of God are true. She knew the verses. She just needed hope, needed to be fed hope. In our relationships with each other, instead of always rehearsing the negatives, Rehearse the positives. 
feed hope into your relationship. Philippians chapter four, verse eight says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Proverbs 4, verse 23 to 25, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Stop saying negative things. Keep corrupt talk out from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly on you. There is a God on his throne in heaven. And he knows you. He loves you. He is in the midst of you. Look at him. Look at him. This isn't positive thinking. This is biblical thinking. And when we are feeding this hope into each other's hearts, we are raising that trust together. There's a second thing that feeds hope. Hope comes when we have a willingness for restoration. All of us bump into each other. All of us do things we shouldn't. All of us wound each other. It's just a part of being normal life. And when those days come, when those moments happen, instead of being in a pout, instead of I'm never going to forgive you, instead of all that, Colossians 3.13 says, be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And when you do it, you feed hope into the heart of the person you just forgave. I forgive you. The act of forgiving turns a hurt into hope. Hope comes, third of all, when we choose to look to the future when the present is doubtful. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose hope. Though outwardly we are wasted away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles. Hey, Mark Hartman, I'm not going through light and momentary troubles. Do you understand how hard my life is right now? You know, here's what I understand. Whatever we're going through is momentary. We're going to get to the other side. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us something. An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Feed hope into your relationship. By taking the promises of God. By taking them seriously and feeding them to each other. Here's the last thing. Love lasts forever when we refuse to quit. Love perseveres. I refuse to give in to my selfishness. I refuse to give in to my despair. I refuse to quit loving. With God as my strength, I'm gonna keep on keeping on. It's called perseverance. It's called staying with it. Love always perseveres, and I'm not quitting on you. All of these are the mechanics of love that builds a love that lasts forever. So the very next words 
in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 is love never fails. When you build these mechanics into your relationship with someone else, your love will never fail. And that's God's promise to you. What is it that needs to change in how you live your life with that person? You need to start building mechanics consistently, deliberately, every day of your life. And if you'll do it day after day after day, it'll become so a part of who you are. It'll become natural in your relationship. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you today and we acknowledge, oh God, we need you so badly. And we want so badly to have such a deep relationship with another human being that we feed hope into their life, that, that we are there for them and we protect them, that they can learn to trust us because we're trustworthy, that no matter what we face, we persevere. Teach us, Lord, how to build these mechanics of love into our relationship so that we can experience what you intended for us to experience, the depth of love that lasts forever. Oh, God, we need you. We need your help. We ask you to move in our hearts to say yes to you. God, we yield ourself to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name today. Amen.